0: twin thing it's just not uh... <laughs> if you have your bibles and I hope you do uh, will you take those out today we will conclude our series of messages on the topic of prayer uh, last week called the church to to a fast we talked about fasting last week and Uh, I have been encouraged by how many of you have let me know that you are participating in the fast, whether uh, some of you joined me for the week, some of you did a partial week, some of you decided one meal every day. Uh, I had someone tell me, Joel, I fasted from political stuff all week or uh, however long it was. uh, That was kind of an amen somehow, wasn't it? All right. Well, I hope that it was good between you and God. I want to tell you a little bit about what my experience was. Uh, uh, it, so Sunday was, was easy. Monday was easy. Uh, as far as this, this issue of hunger, and we talked about how we neglect our flesh in order to feast on God. We feast from the world to feast on God. Monday, um, I, I never really even, it never came to my mind of hunger. My time in the Word, and I'll get to that in just a moment, was sweet. Monday was sweet. And then Monday evening, I was out in the garage. And uh, as I was walking back through the garage into the house, uh, our ice chest that we have, the hinge, I've discovered, is broken, and it has a jagged edge on it. And it reached out, and it grabbed my leg, and it tore my leg open. So I ended up at the, the... Urgent care, whatever. I mean, a normal guy would have probably cried or something, but I was, you know, it was it's just a flesh wound. Got a few stitches. That was Monday evening. Tuesday was a great day in the Word, man. God was so good. I'll share it again in a minute what, what, what was going on there. But uh, Tuesday evening, a friend of mine calls, says, Joel, man, uh, there's some food trucks close to your house. And I started thinking about it. Had to remind myself, God, this is not about food. I don't live on bread alone. I live on every word that comes from your mouth. Turned me to God. So I'm actually thankful for the phone call because it reminded me and it turned my attention back that evening. Wednesday, I had a meeting up at the uh, state convention offices. We took a lunch break, and at lunch they brought in a tray about about the size of this table of Jason Deli sandwiches and the smell of bread. <sighs> now, I'm one of those guys that says, man, why do you need drugs when you can have carbohydrates, right? <laughs> and, and, and this tray, and I was like, I just got to leave. I got to leave the room, and I went down to Steve's office and sat in his office and just... Uh, Thursday, I got hungry. Thursday's when I got hungry. And so from Thursday on has been a time where just over and over, I mean, even yesterday, driving in the car with Catherine, I was like, God, this this is not about food, it's about you. It's about you. God, I want to hear your voice. So many topics that we talked about, me and the Lord, and so many things that we went through, so many confirmations that we... We talked about, this is not about food. I don't need food. I want you more than I want food. God, over and over, just saying that. And I hope those of you who participated in a fast, I hope that that is just a, a, a kickstart to a regular part of your spiritual rhythm of life. Recently, my parents have, have gone through a, a, a change of address. We have helped them move from their, their home to a retirement home, a VA retirement home. And so the children, my siblings and I, had the task of, of um, cleaning up the house, getting the house ready for renters and, and getting stuff out. And so my brother came up from Texas and, and uh, so-and-so took this and so-and-so took this to their home. And we, you know, we went through stuff. It's one of the least favorite things I've ever done. I think that Anna is here and she would agree with me. There was no joy in it at all. There are only a couple things that I've wanted, that I wanted. I wanted my dad's Bible that he preached from all those years. And I got it. But the other thing that I wanted and I got was this box. And all this box says is Bob's sermons. So I got a treasure and I started pulling them out this week, just sermon after sermon Oh, I know what some of you are thinking, <laughs> Joel. I know why you wanted that because you'll never have to preach a sermon again. <laughs> you'll never have to prepare another sermon. That—that that is actually one of the, my favorite parts of God's calling on my life: is dividing God's word, preparing, and preaching. I, I, I love it. So, I, though I do have man, life. There's so, I came across a treasure of, of sermons. And I don't have sermons to preach. You know how many daily devotions I have? See these ones on top are, you can tell are from the 90s, at least when computers came along. But then I got down below. To all these handwritten sermon notes, I, I got a treasure. I started flipping through them, and some of them caught my attention. I started, I found one, The Cold Church the rich church, the contaminated church. Anybody know where he was preaching through those days? Be thou faithful unto death, the misled church, the dead church, the lukewarm church. I just had my attention. I was like, man, these are these daily devotions that I'm going to be able to sit and look through and read through. I can't wait to, to start on it. And then I started finding some like this one. What are you praying for? Set that one aside. Right prayer, R-I-G-H-T, right prayer. He was teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And so I started taking some of these and just using them this past week in my quiet time. And then I came across one that Grab my attention. I, I put a picture, I have a picture of it for you. I don't know whether you can read that or not. At the top it says, when do you become a Christian? And see, the way my dad does it is he writes out his introduction on the front here, and he writes out his conclusion on the back, and then, like in this particular sermon, he had one two points. That's the way he did it. Dad, you and I think completely different. I, I, my brain does not click the way yours does, but I get what you're doing. But on the front, I don't know if you can see this. Number one, in my arms, I hold the sweetest little boy anywhere, and I need you to hold on to that. Just remember that. Tuck it away for future reference. Number two, this is Joel Bundick, now six months old. And the date on here is August of 1965. Guys, I'm telling you, I got a treasure. To hear what God was speaking into my dad's heart decades ago I have a few years worth of devotions dad I just got to tell you thank you thank you for the legacy that you have left your children And you're right, I am the sweetest little boy anywhere. <laughs> I, I did want to, I hope I have it. Do I have it? Yeah. Uh, I did want to show a little bit of American history to everybody. Because some of you will remember this. You guys will have, no, you'll have never seen this before. You ready? Watch this. These are sermon notes. from a dot matrix printer. Anybody? (laughs) Well, Dad, today I'm going to preach one of your sermons. I hope that's okay. I told him that the other day. Dad, I'd like to preach one of your sermons. He says, well, I hope it'll preach. (laughs) Well, we're about to find out. It is appropriate to give credit where credit is due. I found this one, and it's titled, A Pastor's Prayer for His People. I came across this, mm, sorry for being emotional this morning. I, I came across this early in the week, and it became my prayers for you during the week. As I think about the different families that I know, and circumstances they're going through throughout the week and just coming to the Lord on your behalf, praying these things. I look at my dad's introduction. I'm just going to read a few lines to you. In most churches, the pastor leads the congregation in prayer. Often this prayer is called pastoral prayers. In this prayer, the the pastor prays for his people. He, he, He goes and pleads to God for his people. And today I want to share with you what God and I talked about a lot this week through these passages. What God showed me, opened my eyes to, I will have these four points that you're about to write down. I'll print them out, I'll do something with them, and I'll put them right in front of my desk in my home office. And church, I want you to know that I will be praying this for you. I would encourage you to pray this for each other, these, these things that we're about to look at. I would beg you to pray this for me and the staff. Will you pray for your pastors? Pray for for those that lead the church. So we're in Ephesians chapter 3, and today we're going to focus in on verses 14 through 19. Will you turn there with me? I have it printed on the back of your outline if, if you need that. I'm going to read these verses for us, and then we will walk through it. Will you stand with me as I read God's word? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, would move in our hearts, Lord, I pray that you would continue to solidify things in our students' lives that, that happened this last week. That just because they traveled nine or ten hours in a van back home, that things can go back to normal. Lord, I pray that today, is, this last week, has set a new normal for their lives. That there is a passion to pursue you every day. Lord, speak to us through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, I have 12 minutes to get this uh, message out. I'm, I'm recalibrating here, so give me a second. He starts this passage for this reason. In verse 14, he's actually picking up from where he started in verse 1. Turn back to verse 1 of this chapter. He says, for this reason. <laughs> he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of, of you Gentiles. And then verse 2, it's it's almost as if he chases a rabbit. That's an important rabbit, but he chases. It's like he's diverted for some reason. He he goes off and gives the next verse. And then he comes back in verse 14. Oh, yeah, oh yeah what was I saying? Oh, for this reason, and he starts into his prayer. Okay? But the question is, for what reason? What, what reason is he praying? What reason are we talking about? And you have to look into chapter 2 for that reason. Uh, I, I want to I uh, move through this as, fastly, as fast as I can. In, in, there in chapter 2, verse 1, And you were dead in, in, your, in the trespasses and the sins <laughs> in, which you, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of, the fle- of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Well, just like the rest of mankind. But God... But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he, he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with us, with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages... He might show immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so no one, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them he goes on later in the chapter and begins talking about this household this structure that god is putting together we know it as the church and christ being the cornerstone of that church now he's writing to the people of ephesus a city it's a a a wonderful city it's a very pagan city but it's a beautiful city one of the seven wonders of the ancient world the temple of artemis was in ephesus the great amphitheater of ephesus was there i mean this is a, a A a, a great and fabulous city. He's writing to his church, his people, in this town that is far from Christian. A very pagan city. And he says, for this reason, because of God's great mercy, because we've been made alive in Christ. We were all once dead, but now we are made alive in him. He's putting together, his, he's building his temple, and for this reason, he says, I bow my knees before the Father, and he prays for his people, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Church, listen, do you realize as a follower of Christ, you've been given a name? When a father... In, in, in the ancient near east when a father gave his child a name the name carried significance do you realize that you have a name a child of god god's given you a name and you are significant here's the problem there are i guarantee you i couldn't count on all my fingers how many people sit in this room today that would say, Joel, there is nothing, there is not one thing about my life that is significant and especially not significant for the kingdom of God. God could never use me. And friends, I got to tell you, that's a lie, man. That is a lie. Go back to Ephesians 2.10, for we're his craftsmanship, we're his workmanship, we're his masterpiece created in Christ to do good works that he set aside, and we should walk in them. You have significance. You are important to God. You're important to the kingdom. He set aside things for you to do that he didn't set anybody else to do. What is your Ephesians 2.10 mission in life? Now listen, that not only applies to every person that has called on Jesus to be their Savior, but that applies to this church as well. What is our church's Ephesians 2.10 mission? That he set aside for this body of believers on the corner of Flanders and Quincy in Centennial, Colorado, to do. We have a mission. The mission is to get the gospel not only to our community, not only to our city, our state, but to the nations. So he bows his knees before the Father who has given everybody a name. And so number one on your outline, we find in verse 16, how I've been praying for you this week. And number one is spiritual strength. Spiritual strength. He says that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened. To be strengthened is a passive verb, That God would impart upon you, our English translations help us with that, that he may grant, there's the passive part of the verb being uh, put in. But the verb is to be strengthened. To be strengthened with power, to have the ability to accomplish a task, to to have the endurance to withstand this difficult season that you might be walking through. I've sat with some of you in my office this week. And I've been praying for you by name. That God would strengthen you in your inner being. That you would have a resolve that is not of your flesh. Because your flesh might be crying out, I am so weak. And I'm ready to give up. But I've been praying that God would strengthen you with his power, the power of his spirit in your inner being. That you would find a resolve that you had no idea that was even there. Because there might even be someone here today that is ready to give up. You are ready to just throw your hands in the air and say, I'm done. And friend, let me tell you, if that's you, victory could be right around the corner. Don't give up. I'm praying for you to be strengthened for you to have, for, that, that God would impress upon you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Do you realize this? Check this. You might even want to write this one down. I don't know. This might, this might be a little nugget. God can do in a moment what you could never do in a lifetime. Don't give up. You keep trusting God. You rely upon his strength and not your own. Stop stop relying on your your good looks and, and your charisma and your ability to talk your way out of anything. Stop relying on that and start trusting on the strength of God. I've been praying for you. Students, I've been crying out to the Lord for you this week to be strengthened. That when you walk in the hallways of your school next year or on campus next year, that you be strong, that people would recognize in you that kid walks with God. I've been praying for you to be strengthened. Number two on your outline. Verse 17. Verse 17 says, so that that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Number two, I've been asking God that Christ to make your heart home. To dwell means to, to live in, to inhabit, to settle down. Now, at first glance, you might think that means becoming a Christian, right? Well, He's already speaking to Christians. So, so sure, yes, if you've never trusted in Jesus as your Savior, yes, today's the day you ought to do that. Yeah, I talked about God's great love. It's a gift from God. It's not on your own works. There's so many people think that they can earn their way to heaven. You can't. Scripture teaches that. Go back to Ephesians 2. It's a gift of God. And I think Paul's going, going somewhere else, else with it. He's already speaking to Christians that, that, that Christ may dwell to settle down. put it to you this way. Every once in a while, we have a newcomer social at our house. It, it, it's, it, it's designed for, for people that have been checking Community of Grace out, We've been a guest here, and we're not ready to join or anything like that, but we would like to meet the staff and have more than the one or two minutes that we do during our greeting time. And so we have guests, the, the newcomer social at our house. People come over, very polite, very polite. And, and at some point, uh, where, where's the restroom? Where's the restroom? Uh, sorry, it's around the corner and just it's right there. And that's about a, the extent they come from the front door through the house to where we're gathering, and they use the restroom, and that's where they stay. Hey, we also have our life group that meets at our house. Now, now our life group comes in. They know where the bathroom is. They they go anywhere on the first floor. Now they know Grayson and Janae live downstairs, so they don't ever go downstairs. Uh, they don't go upstairs either, but they could. I mean, our friendships are, are, are at the point where they could walk out in the garage if they wanted to. But then I have Grayson and Janae that live in our basement. It's one of my kids. That boy comes upstairs and walks straight in the kitchen and opens the fridge, like he did when he was 16 years old. Yeah, we got to eat. And just starts getting food. And just, he is at home. Does that make sense? Now here, I wonder if Christ is at home in your heart, Christian. That he may dwell, that he may settle in. This word carries the the sense of a permanent abode. I wonder if Christ feels like someone at a newcomer social in your heart. Are there rooms that you would say, eh, eh. no. You, Christ, you are not allowed in my secret sin room. You are not allowed in there. Christ, you are not allowed in my computer room. And you're certainly not allowed in my telephone room. Or, or have you... Man, you've overcome some things in your life, and, and, and Christ, is, he's got a little more rain in your heart. Or is Christ like Grayson is in our home, man? He has access to every single corner, nook and cranny in your heart. I've been praying. Listen, church. I've been praying for you. And it's been said it a minute ago that Christ would ruin our hearts to the point that we say total access, total. You are at home here. Kick your shoes off, go upstairs and put on your TV watching shorts and shirt. Y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And come down here and kick up on the couch and make yourself at home. Church, I'm praying that, that we would not only be individuals that make Christ at home in our heart but that we would be a church. We would be a church that makes Christ at home here. You got access into that that nursing mother room right there, that cry room right back there. You you have access, Christ, into, into the children's ministry, the youth ministry, men's, women's. You have access into that senior pastor's office, associate children's administrative you have access anywhere that we be that church he he points out a couple of examples rooted and grounded he gives us an agricultural picture and an architectural picture the people those readers would have got it I have an illustration but I need to move on because I now have two minutes. Number three on your outline. I've been praying that you would be able to grasp the knowledge of the dimensions of Christ's love for you. I brought with me something that I think that will help me explain this point. If I can remember how to turn it on. Come on, you can do it. 14 feet above the top of this table to the ceiling is, or from top of this table to the ceiling is 14 feet. Uh, From me to the back of the room, 48 feet. We can understand dimensions. I, I can measure around the room. We can understand that. How do you understand how great God's love is for you? I think there's a song on the radio that says the, 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 the span of his love is from one nail-scarred hand to another. The type A person would say, Joel, that's about six feet. But I think you understand. We are loved with a limitless love. I don't think we have vocabulary that can speak to how great God's love is for us. And it has been my prayer that this week, and moving forward, that each of us would grow in our comprehension of how much God loves us. Oh, I could, I could talk about battlefield scenes where, where a soldier... Uh, jumps on a grenade to save the lives of those around I mean we can measure that we can see that can I just tell you that there was a day when, when God of heaven stepped out of earth and he came and lived a perfect life and he stepped on a grenade for me and for you and it's called the cross and he shed his blood for us I've been praying that you and I would be able to somehow, just a little more today than yesterday and more tomorrow than today, how much God loves us. How much Christ loves us. This, uh, if you look in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's, it's, It's beyond it. When I was in the fifth grade, uh, I made the All Star team, baseball All Star team, <clears throat> and uh, game day came, and I was named the starting pitcher. Yeah, it's, it's not a big deal. I thought y'all would have applauded there, but it's okay. It's all <laughs> right. Uh, so anyway, the game start or the game starting, I'm up on, the, I step out on the mound, and guys, I wanted to, I wanted to feel so hard and. Or strike out these first bad. You know, I was so pumped, but I, on the inside, scared to death. Scared because everyone else out there is an all star. So here, here I am, the catcher's there. I did some warm up pitches, and they were pretty good. And, and and the ump was kind of watching before the game, and he was pretty bad. But and, and then the backstop, <laughs> and then behind the backstop were the bleachers with all the parents from all these kids from all over the place. And then behind them was the parking lot. Play ball. The catcher was there ready to catch the ball. <laughs> Catherine, you got to stay with me, girl. Come on. <laughs> The batter was there. He was ready to hit the ball. The umpire was there. He was ready to call a ball or a strike. The backstop was there. It was ready to stop the ball if it got past the catcher. First pitch of the All Star game went over the backstop. <laughs> <sighs> over the bleachers and rolling underneath cars out in the bargain line. <laughs> ball won. I tell you that story (laughs) because that's a pretty good picture of God's love for you. See, you and I stand in the batter's box ready to catch his love. We think it's going to be somewhere right about here in the strike zone, right? But this word surpass, it carries the the implication of overthrow. Do you realize that even if you threw, that, that kid that was batting, if he threw his bat, he couldn't have reached the ball. That's how much God loves you, and today I need to remind somebody in this room that thinks they've messed up so bad that God could not love them. You need to come back to reality and hear what God's word says. He's loved you with an overthrow kind of love. You couldn't reach it and define it if you tried. That's how much God loves you. fourth thing I've been praying for you this week is that you be filled with the fullness of God you be filled. The end of verse 19 says this. Exactly that. You may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's been my prayer that you would be drenched and soaked with the love and the power of God in your life. That there's not one part of you that doesn't experience it, live it, feel it. God's love. A few weeks ago I had the High honor to take Jacob Dole fishing. Pressure was on, man. People see these pictures. Joel catches fish. I got to take somebody fishing because I catch fish. So I took him fishing. We didn't catch any fish. Felt bad. Felt horrible. The next week, Parker Ramsey, his sisters and, and, and brother were at camp, so I said, yeah, I'll take Parker fishing. We go out. We start fishing. Parker said, I want to cast. So okay. Jacob said the same thing. I want to cast. Okay, cast away. Just don't catch me. <laughs> At one point, we were near. I had found a school of crappie, and I put a buoy out, a marker buoy in the water. And, and the breeze would drift us away from the buoy, and I would use my trolling motor to bring us back over to it. And, and we would fish, and, and we would drift away, and I'd use the trolling motor to bring us back to it. And at one point, I'd look back, and Parker was up on his knees, kind of fishing over the back of the chair. And okay, and and we're fishing. The wind would breeze us away, and I would pull us back over. And when I pulled us back over one time, I hear whoa, scapooosh! I look back, the chair is in the water, Parker's in the water, but he's holding that pole. I said, Parker, what are you doing? The fish pulled me in. (laughs) Teaching him well. And and so I I pulled around there and I got him in the boat, still had his pole in his hand, got the chair, brought it back in. So what are you doing, man? Was it cold? (laughs) Yes. All right, you gonna be okay? I said, cold. I'm cold. Well, okay, we'll head back in. And and can I get a towel when we get to the truck? That boy was soaked. There was not a spot on him that wasn't wet and cold. Church, I've been praying for you this week that there not be a spot on you inside and out that doesn't experience, feel, the love of God. If you're here today and you've never come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. You can admit sin in your life. We all have it. But you can also recognize that Jesus died on the cross and paid the price for that sin. And the Bible says that God offers us a free gift. And it's called eternal life. And the way we receive that gift is by placing our faith in Jesus Christ to be our Savior. Will you call on him to be your Savior today? Will you do that? If you've never done it, why wait? Why wait? I'm going to close this in prayer and then I would like to ask the... Well, I'm going to close this in prayer. Father, we come before... Your holy throne, and as we have sung and we have lifted our hearts through singing and tithes and offerings, Lord, we come before you now, and I continue to lift up the people of whom you have called me to shepherd, to lead, to minister to. Lord, I, I pray that you would strengthen them in their inner self that they would find a renewed strength this week with the things that they're facing, the challenges that are ahead of them, the decisions that they have to make. Lord, strengthen them with the power of your Spirit. Lord, I pray that their heart would be a place that you have full access. And in this moment of silence, I pray that if there are rooms, that every individual in this room would stop and take inventory of which doors are locked and right now they would give you access. Lord, if there's someone here that has never trusted in you as Savior, in this moment, I pray they would call to you, call to you, trust you with their life. Lord, I pray that you would drench every person with your love, and I pray this in your holy name, amen, amen.